Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the Magic Basketball Online.com name. Next to me is MBO contributor, who's also my best friend and most importantly, a basketball genius, Spencer Strode. Uh, he is otherwise known as Penny. How you been, buddy? You excited to be back to do one of these and carry my ass through another podcast series? I'm very excited. It's hard to believe that it's been five years since we last did it, but clearly the internet is clamoring for it, and as Jalen Rose would say, we have to give the people what they want. And I'm not as cool as that guy as far as carrying a bat goes, so there we go. Anyway, I am MBO, MBO owner Adam Papa Giorgio, otherwise known as Pops, and I have about 12 other million nicknames, but Pops is one of them, I swear. Uh, for the few folks that used to follow the original Penny and Pops podcast, as Spencer alluded to, this is kind of an on-air reunion for us. Uh, this is about five years in the making. The last time we were doing this, we were doing an NBA show, and it was during the lockout, so there was no NBA news. So hopefully now with the Magic, uh, this Magic-specific podcast, uh, we'll do a lot better. So anyway, why are we doing this right now? Uh, Pretty short and simple, we hate what we're hearing from local and national media outlets. At least I am. Um, this is kind of a way to vent. Uh, I hate it when people discuss the magic and they don't know anything about the team or its players. I mean, how hard is it to fucking say Vucevic? Vucevic, Vucevic, Vucevic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm supremely motivated to get going on this. I mean... What are your thoughts so far on what we've been hearing as far as Magic coverage goes in regards to Scott Scow's leaving? Uh, well, it's hard because a lot of the national media members don't follow the team day in and day out, so you're not going to get a great breakdown of the inner workings of the organization. And even some of the local reporters don't cover the team day in and day out. They have other responsibilities and other sports and other parts of the city. So clearly shocking. Um, there's definitely a, a line divided down the middle. Some of the old guard are firmly planted in Skyle's corner. And I think a lot of the bloggers are happy to see him go. Yeah, I think, I think we're all in agreement on that. Uh, so, I mean, the biggest issue is why is Rob Hennigan getting the majority of the blame for, for Skyle's walking away? I mean, Skyle's walked away. He's walking away from $12 million. You know, I, look, we're all, we, everyone in the city, everyone around the world has a job or has had jobs in the past where stuff may not go right. But that's where you got to communicate a little bit better. You don't just walk away from your job, especially if you're getting a $12 million paycheck over the next that's few years. A, that's a prideful man to walk away from that kind of paycheck over principle. And why are we blaming Hennigan when Alex Martins is clearly the one who had the largest influence on him getting hired him he rep he's the voice of the DeVos family the ownership group you know I'm I'm excited about how you know how Henny is probably going to get the chance to actually pick the coach this time around and let's just go back a little bit what, what were the first reactions that you had when when Scott Skiles stepped down on Thursday well I think honestly I I learned about it I got a text message from you so uh you know middle of the day uh to have the news break and shocking. Shocking that he would walk away from something that less than 12 months ago, he felt like he was the man for the job. He felt like he did come along at the right time. He felt like the roster was talented enough to win with. So to, have, to do a complete 180 degree turn in less than a year, uh, completely shocking. 
and I, I think it for the moment it sets the franchise back. So I, I can recall I can recall my emotions, but first, literally two days before that Tuesday, I'd never set up no, Twitter notifications on my phone, and I was like, okay, obviously I'm going to put Woj as a Twitter notification, and then I put the Magic uh, PR account, thinking, okay, this will come in handy in like a month or two or whatnot, and so. To my surprise, Thursday morning, I get a little pop-up message from the Magic PR account saying Scott Scowls is resigning, and I'm just like, holy shit. And then the second one was, I, I definitely smiled, and there was some relief because, look, the, the Magic got off to that great 19-13 and 13 start, but I, I don't know what your initial reaction was when Scowls got hired last May, but I, I had like a cringe face going. I was like... First off, I knew that, like, in my heart, I did not think this was Rob Hennigan's hiring, first off. But, I mean, Skiles was proving me wrong for the first three months, and then some doubts started creeping at his head beginning in January. There's rumors that he started thinking about stepping down back in January, and it got to the point where that's when the magic fell off a cliff that whole entire January, February, and early March. Definitely interesting to consider. Did did the drop in the level of play contribute to his feelings of wanting to walk away, or did he disengage maybe mentally or physically or emotionally with the team? And did his change of heart lead to the poor results on the floor? Kind of a uh, which came first situation. But either way, uh, clearly after December, the wheels fell off and we couldn't recover. Yeah, and it's weird because he, he's blaming on the team being soft, apparently, and, and them you know having gone through a couple of years of tanking, like that messed up with their psyche. But, I mean, they were winning. They were winning before you know these rumored doubts creeped into Scow's head. Like something happened on that London trip where they played Toronto, where I was snowboarding in Colorado during the time. Something happened on that trip you know, in London where the wheels just fell off, and, and I don't know if he just freaked out. I mean, there's there's a couple people that were saying that there, he he was fearful of being fired in the future because his track record was he gets fired or he leaves after three to five years. But I mean, it's only year one. The team did improve by ten games, even though they fell off a cliff for three months in between. But they did improve by by ten games, winning you know thirty five games. And I guess my biggest my my biggest regret is I didn't get to ask Scott Skiles if he ever played himself at played himself in NBA Jam. Uh, him and Shaquille O'Neal, the the best duo on the original version of the game, by a landslide. It really was. I mean, literally all he had to do was just throw passes to Shaq. And even then, I mean, Scouse had that night. It, it, the few times you would actually shoot a jump shot, Scouse was money. So I feel like Scouse, if I did ask Scouse that question, he would have, like, glared into my soul and, and said that I, I hated the lack of defense in the game. So, But... Um, I mean, anyway, do you, do, you, do you have any thoughts on, on the rumored separation agreement as far as it does, it does it, we don't know if he's getting paid any money, first off, but, you know, basically he's not going to be able to talk about his exit, uh, we don't think, and if he wants to get a, a, an NBA job here in the next two months, the, that team that acquires him is going to have to give the Magic compensation back. Look, I think uh, it's been proven over his time in the NBA as a player and a coach that he's a prideful son of a bitch, right? I mean, he's a, he's a principled man, and clearly the disconnect between him and the front office was enough that he decided 
he didn't have enough power and he wasn't going to work in a position where he felt weak. So I think by virtue of the fact that they have a separation agreement in place, you have to assume that they're paying him uh, at least a small percentage of the several million dollars left on his contract. Hush money. And also, they do respect his coaching enough that they don't want him to go you know, over to the Indiana sideline next year and start working over there. So I think the thing that comes to mind is you look around the league and you can talk about the, the job that Doc Rivers does as a coach that also has control of player personnel. You can talk about the job that Stan Van Gundy does more positively. But at the end of the day whether it's one person fulfilling dual roles or a general manager and a coach working in tandem, you can't have a disconnect and be a successful organization. So while Skiles is out after a year, as opposed to maybe you know two or two or two or two and a half more seasons that we get with him at the helm, uh, it's better to do it now and to find a new candidate whose vision aligns with the front office because otherwise we will be a middling team at best. That and, I mean, I, I love Alfred Payton. I love Alfred Payton a lot more than a lot of other people do. And to see how great he was his rookie season, at least the latter half of the rookie season, and then, I mean, he had the injury issues most of his sophomore season that, that slowed him down. But, I mean, just that system wasn't working for him. I mean, give your point guard the ball. Let him use his court vision. I mean, l- let your point guard be free. So I- I'm just hoping that, Whoever they do bring in um, gives at least Alfred that that opportunity to prove that he's he's a franchise point guard. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see who who the Magic look to interview. One of them that might already be in Orlando right now is Frank Vogel. Uh, do you have a a wish list right now? Do you have like a top three or, or just any any top? candidacy list right now for who you want the magic well, to get. Well, firstly, I want to take aim at some of the Twitter reports from uh, unverified people that say, oh, Vogel's on a plane to Orlando. Well, guess what? School's out, you know? Uh, it's summertime. He's got a family of young children. He's been to Disney World before. He's not working. He could be here on vacation, for all we know. So, look, I, I think Vogel is the top candidate. If you look at Uh, a defensive-minded coach with a proven NBA track record, a proven track record of developing uh, his his young players into all-stars and potentially franchise-level players, and in terms of reaching uh, hard-to-reach players and, and, you know, emotionally unstable players and getting them to perform on the court, you can't argue with his results. Um, And the benefit is that the the magic have money to spend right it's going to be we're going to have to pay top level money to get a mid-tier coach or a top level coach and the organization is willing to do it but we gotta we gotta sell the franchise at this point look there there are a multitude of options some better than others i certainly wouldn't want to work in new york um even if i'm getting phil jackson money but at the end of the day, it's not, it's not just a matter of having young talent and cap space because, unfortunately, 15 out of the 30 teams have high-quality young talent and cap space. But I, I do think, in terms of Frank Vogel, 
everyone would be happy to see him on the Magic sideline next year. Yeah, I think Vogel, I mean, just look at what he did with Roy Hibbert and Lance Stevenson. Like, he, he made them into all-stars. He made them into guys that the rest of the league were clamoring, clamoring for. So, I mean, he's got that defensive reputation. That's something that under Scouts, if you look at the numbers, it, it improved a little bit defensively. But because, again, they fell off a cliff for about three months, their defense wasn't that much better than the Jacques Vaughn, James Borrego year. I mean, that, that, that's, that's very intriguing to look at that. Um, with Vogel, you do sacrifice some offensive creativity, which, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough to say right now what specifically the Magic really need. I think they just need a guy that knows how to win, knows how to turn around a team, and Frank Vogel is one of them. I think the other issue is I think that age gap between Rob and Scowls was a pretty big deal. Um, Hennigan is 34, Scowls is 52. I think, you know, the whole point that's the whole reason Scowls got a little power hungry was I think he got to a point where I know more than this guy, and he, he tried to push that against, against the front office, against ownership. And thankfully, ownership and management sided with Rob. Um, because Scowls is an average to mediocre coach. I mean, his, his career record now is 478 and 480, so he's a below 500 coach now. Yeah, I mean, the Magic are kind of to blame for that now. But, um, you know, you've you got to see, you gotta see what, what options are there as far as just someone who's going to get along with the GM. I think age does play a bit of a role. Vogel's 42. Um, I think that's why they're leaving their options open for potential college coach because there's some young college coaches out there that have proven themselves that they might be ready for the next level. Um, if I go over my list, you know, Frank Vogel's right there at the top. Two other guys would be David Blatt and Ettore Messina. Uh, Blatt, the ousted Cleveland Cavaliers head coach, basically was put was hired before they knew that LeBron James was coming back and. Got a raw deal. Yeah, he he got screwed over so bad. So, that, I mean, I as a as a European guy, as a Greek man, I know that you know both Blatt and Messina are almost viewed as gods, depending on what region of Europe you go to, as far as their what what they've done coaching wise. And as long as the roster would respect those guys, I think you got to look at both of them as options. Now, one surprising thing uh, that that came about was seeing that both of them are actually both age 56 and David Blatt's actually older. So, um, but I think both of them are open-minded people enough to where, you know, getting along with Hennigan, as long as they mesh well in the interview room or whatnot, I, I think they'd be fine. Um, any other candidates that pop up in your head or guys you actually just want interviewed? I think that you're in terms of coaches that have NBA head coaching experience or international head coaching experience, you've, you've really nailed the top quality candidates. I, I think it's important to remember that we have a pretty good candidate in-house. And if you want to talk about uh, maybe he's too close to Skiles or the Skiles system, but Adrian Griffin, who worked with Skiles at two different stops, also worked under Tom Thibodeau in Chicago, uh, also was a great player on NBA Live 2003 to add to your Orlando Magic Dynasty and have him play five minutes off the bench in a lot of the simulated games that you did to get through 82 games in the season. Um, his, his representation is certainly pushing for him to get interviewed and have a solid chance at the job, and I think he's, he's respected around the league by uh, uh, enough people that he's ready, he's paid his dues, 
he's right up there with uh, Kenny Atkinson, who was the uh, associate head coach in Atlanta and just landed the Brooklyn job. And I think in terms of qualified, experienced, lead assistant coaches, Adrian Griffin is probably right up there in terms of the next one up to deserve a shot at the head chair. I like Adrian Griffin. Um, he's he's proven to be a great assistant coach. Um, you know, I, I got to hear his thoughts on on the team back during in summer league when he was coaching the Magic. Then um, he is. He, people think he was the whistleblower to Scal's having initial doubts on uh, on possibly leaving the team. So I don't know if if snitching is a reward. I don't know. Um, I like Adrian, though. I, I think he definitely at least deserves an interview, just like James Borrego pretty much got an interview last year um, for the position. Uh, I think the magic... I mean, look, it, if you want to stick with the system that you already have in place, Griffin makes a ton of sense. And there's some good assistant coaches with them. You know, you got Monty Mathis, Mathis you got Connor Henry. I mean, you, you got some good guys right there, but... I think that's to. I think that's one of the things that's most disappointing about Skiles leaving. Not so much that Skiles is leaving, but we had a really high-quality assistant coaching staff last year for the first time since Stan Van Gundy left. Really, Monty Mathis, a, a defensive coordinator extraordinaire, Adrian Griffin able to relate and communicate with the players, Connor Henry paid his dues in the D-League and is really a, uh, an established coaching presence in the league, and Mario Eli. Who who is Mario Alley and former Magic killer from the 1995 NBA Finals? Which I, happy I, to see him go. Well, potentially we don't know yet, though we don't know. So, um, you, you talked about the Stan Van Gundy tree. Uh, a guy who I wouldn't mind to see get interviewed would actually be Patrick Ewing. Um, I heard that awesome Woj podcast that he had with Ewing, and there is that stigma of you know why are there not more big guy coaches in in the league part of that's oh they're just selfish players they don't have the court vision of say a point guard but I mean Kevin McHale was a head coach and he's also a guy I wouldn't mind to see get interviewed um I, I think I think the only other one that really pops into my head right now is a guy who got interviewed the same time that Jacques Vaughn did which is Jeff Hornacek I think he did he did a pretty solid job in Phoenix I was a little bit surprised that he got let go when he got let go um, any anyone else fall on on your list of people that you would like to see, and then we can talk about the people we would say hell no to. Yeah, Hornacek's a, an interesting case. He actually did so well that he set himself up to kind of be a fall victim um, by having too much success too early. I would happy to I would be happy to see him get a shot again. Um, and clearly, he's learned a lot more in the last two years than he did when he came in for his last interview and the, you know, and the job went to Vaughn originally. In terms of other experienced coaches, uh, I, 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 no, not really. If, if you can't get a Vogel or a Hornacek, the only other person that we haven't mentioned, who I know you're not going to like, is Mike, Mike D'Antoni, um, currently the associate head coach in Philadelphia. I don't think Hennigan will look for him. I don't think D'Antoni would want to work under Hennigan, but can you imagine having Peyton, Oladipo, Gordon out flying on the fast break and really whipping the ball around? That'd be fun to watch. We'd give up 120 points a game, but damn. But it'd be fun to watch. Damn, it'd be entertaining. I mean, yeah, defense be damned. I like D'Antoni. D'Antoni, I think, would be, would be very interesting to have here. I just don't think Hennigan can risk it. That's the thing. Hennigan has his feet to the fire. I mean, 
this 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 upcoming season's it. Like the the team has to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, he's not going to be able to survive and see a fourth coach. I don't think in in four years, five years. So um, he they got to get it right. And I'm hoping that again, Hennigan gets to have the initial input on who comes in. Not Scott Scouse calls up the DeVos family and allegedly like harasses them to get an interview with the team to try and get the job allegedly um via, via twitter rumors now i'll give you i'll give you one more name and i don't know if he's currently seeking out head coaching positions but there's an assistant in houston his name's chris finch uh experienced uh well-known track record as an assistant likes to play a up and down game focused on defensive principles uh, I'm not sure if he's ready to be a head coach just yet, but I think it would be well uh, worth our time to bring him in for an interview and, and at least pick his brain a bit. Um, and he has experience developing young players. Look at the progress of James Harden in the last two years. You can say, you know, you can uh, you can uh, debate the merits of how much impact he had on Harden's development. Maybe it was just more playing time, but uh, have have seen him work day to day. And I think that's somebody that's worth a worth a shot. So that's a name I haven't heard yet. So there you go, basketball genius at work. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as anyone in the college ranks, I, I would love to interview Shaka Smart, but he's only been with the Texas Longhorns for a year, and I'm sure that buyout would be gruesome, so that's not going to happen. Uh, people I would say fuck no to. Um, here's, here's the question. <laughs> oh Here's the question, okay. and I want to pose it to you this way. There, there are people that we want to come in. There are ex-head coaches. There are retread NBA head coaches. There are rising assistant coaches. And I think I want to break it down in those two categories. So give me your top NBA retread that you want nowhere near this open uh, vacancy and give me your top rising assistant coach that you have no interest in coaching the Magic next year. Um, ooh, top assistant, I don't know. But the, t- the retread head coach would be Mark Jackson. I mean throw the Golden State stuff out the window. The man has been known as a lying backstabber as a player and as a coach for the majority of his career in the NBA. Uh, he tried to get rid of John Stockton from Utah, which I think you go to hell for that. I you don't do. know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's... He, he just He's not a good person, I don't think. <laughs> but he is, he is a man of God, so he does live... He does live. I don't know. I don't know. He's probably not a great. Well, he's person. living. He's breathing. He's walking around. He created his own church. I don't know if that if that qualifies as anything. But anyway, I I I don't like Mark Jackson. He's he's he would he would not respect Rob Hennigan. There's no chance in hell. There's no way he would respect Hennigan. He he would he would like ignore him and just not not even communicate half the time. Um, I would say the other the other one would be assistant wise would be Brian Shaw, but he, I mean he was a head coach I know that, but I still consider him more of an assistant. I think um, that's fair, and the and that's one of the downfalls when you talk about to go back to Frank Vogel, uh, a really defensive minded head coach, and Brian Shaw worked under Frank Vogel prior to getting his and, shot. And I wouldn't if, if the Magic brought in Vogel, I wouldn't mind having Brian Shaw's assistant. I just don't want him as the head guy. I agree with you there. I don't particularly mind him on a Vogel staff, but when you talk about Vogel shortcomings and it's the offensive creativity, Brian Shaw certainly not the top guy to help you figure out different X's and O's to generate better shots. So I will give you a current assistant head coach, okay. and I'm hoping I'm not stealing your thunder. Yep. But Mike Woodson. No, I, that's fair. I, I would no just. 
No, I stay away from Mike Woodson. I don't need to go further than that. All right, so you ready for my two? Bring it. Here's here's my retread NBA head coach that I want nowhere near the Orlando Magic next season. That's George Carl. Probably doesn't have any interest in this particular job, but you know he wants to get one more crack at the NBA so that his last memory is not the the dumpster fire that was the Sacramento Kings experience. And another paycheck doesn't hurt. He used us as leverage last year to get the Kings job mid-season. Um, I think that he brings too much drama to the position, and I, frankly, whether it's health-related or not, I don't know if he has the energy for the 82-game grind anymore. Here's the assistant coach that I want nowhere near the Orlando Magic job. You ready for this? Go for it. David Fisdale of the Miami Heat. I so agree with you. And I, I'm going to level with you. I don't even have a good reason. I just don't want to look at his goatee for the next 36 months. You know? It's uh, it's too full. Uh, the glasses on the face and the goatee, I eh, just keep it away. So you and I are born and raised in Orlando, and we want nothing to do with Miami people. I think we, we can agree on this. I think the only Heat person that I've ever respected is Stan Van Gundy. And mine would be Stan Van Gundy, but also Ronnie Cycli. So, Fair enough. So, and I, I love you, Ronnie. Sorry, buddy. Um, he's an elite club DJ, right? That's why you respect him. He just turned 50, and he's an awesome electronic dance music DJ. So keep, keep, keep spinning those records, Ronnie. Keep doing it. Keep spinning. Um, yeah, I mean... I wouldn't put uh, other people in a hell-no category, but I think the Magic need to avoid just former Magic players in general. Like, even though Patrick Ewing is one of them, give, give, give Patrick an interview, but, I mean, I, the, the reason he won't get the job is because he's on the, on the, under the Stan Van Gundy tree. That, that's the reason why he won't get it. Um, but, I mean, Daryl Armstrong, I mean, he's on Rick Carlisle's bench. There's not, I mean, there's no real reason not to give him an opportunity either. I just think I need to see more from Daryl as far as just lead assistant qualifications go and head head coaching qualifications. He's been in Dallas, obviously. He was on the staff when they won the title in 2011. The thing about Daryl Armstrong, uh, I'm sure he's a great motivator. I don't know how he is as a tactician but he still has not graduated from the, uh, from the second row to the first row, so I think he still has a ways to go before he's uh, in line for uh, any head coaching opportunities in the league. Uh, any other thoughts as far as scouts or, or the head coaching thing? Um, we, we, got, you know, we have free agency in the draft coming up, but we'll save those for, for later dates. I, I think it's important to fill the vacancy as soon as possible with a qualified candidate, and, and I think, quite honestly... I like Skiles more than you did. That's fair to say. Yes. Uh, quite honestly, he left the team in a bind, and and it kind of leaves us looking. You know, caught us with our pants around our ankles here that it, that a coach walks away from nine to twelve million dollars left on a deal at at a really poor time. Um, and he was supposed to go to Chicago as part of the Orlando Magic contingent to interview players and scout players and. And now we're a man short up there. Um, that has ramifications for for years to come. You know, if we make if we swing and miss at this draft, and we could have had another set of eyes looking at prospects and getting a feel for you know their strengths and their weaknesses, uh, you you kind of lose a little bit of respect for Skiles for walking away from a job that he can't 
uh, allegedly campaigned so hard to get in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're going to quit, why not quit right at the end of the season? I mean, the te- you know, Alex Martins and Rob Hennigan went on this retreat where apparently Martins was like the mediator during this retreat, which is like a yearly thing they do at the end of the year to let off steam, maybe have a little fun, focus, regroup, whatever. But why not walk away then in April, especially when you got Scotty Brooks out there and Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau wanted too much power. There's no way he would have landed here in Orlando. But you would have liked the opportunity to go after him. Um, he hangs around mm-hmm. just long enough for the pool of candidates that was quite deep to become shallow and murky. I wouldn't say murky, but shallower. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, you, you mentioned the picks. The Magic have the draft lottery coming up here on Tuesday. Uh, they Right now, second round pick-wise, I believe they have number 41 and number 47. Um, they have the 11th best odds at winning the number one pick right now. They have a 2.9% chance to hop into the top three. Uh, most likely, they, I think it's, yeah, most likely they'll land with the number 11 spot. I want to say it's like a 91% chance that they land with the number 11 pick. But are you predicting a miracle happening on Tuesday as far as the Magic hopping into that top three somehow? I, I think, as you know, we're, we're a team with lottery luck, and I think we've used it all up. But we can say that Hennigan has had a lot of bad luck the past couple of years during his whole reign. Are you, are you saying what I think you're trying to say? I'm saying right here that because Rob Hennigan will be sitting on that podium and Pat Williams is going to be in that back room. No. Getting a, just staring at the ping pong ball. No. He's bringing different charms. He's, bringing, he's diff, doing something no. different from the past couple of years. I'm saying the Magic end up with the number two pick, and we get to see Hennigan drop that beautiful grin because the basketball gods owe us. I wouldn't hate it. I certainly wouldn't hate it. Now, here's the question. Here's the real question. If the Magic jump up in the draft lottery, what's the four-digit combination that takes the magic from 11 to 2. You ready? I'm going to say 4, 6, 9, 12. Um, oh, God. Uh, let's do 3, 6, 2, and 7 with me. I'll take it. Uh, We're I'll locked take, in. And those may not be either combination, but we don't know that. Ernst & Young knows that. So um, that'll do it for the uh, the first Penny and Pops podcast. Uh, we got a little bit of rust off. I think we'll be better next time. Shaking off the rust. We're uh, back at it. We, we apologize if there's any audio issues. Uh, we, uh, we, will, we will have a brand new podcast mic here for the next one. So I'm looking forward to whipping that baby out. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Podcast of the Lottery.